0: Welcome to the PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, degree qualified nutritionist. This podcast is a place to help show you how to reduce your PCOS symptoms. Getting diagnosed with PCOS can be super confusing. It typically comes with very little information about what the condition actually is and how to manage it long term. In this podcast, we cover the keys to understanding what PCOS is, the best approaches to improving your PCOS, and of course, how to reduce your PCOS symptoms through non medication based approaches. If you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS or you've had PCOS for a long time and you're wondering what the heck do I do now and what do I need to do to reduce my symptoms, this podcast exists to show you exactly that. If you have PCOS and you want a strategic approach to help you lose weight, banish acne, stabilize your cycles, and reduce anxiety-inducing hair growth, then I would love to invite you to register for my free PCOS Masterclass. In this masterclass, I'm going to be breaking down my exact process that I use when I'm helping clients like you reduce and resolve their PCOS symptoms without medication. To get access to the masterclass, all you need to do is head to the link in the show notes, or you can access it directly by going to celendouglas.com forward slash webinar hyphen registration hyphen EG, or you'll find that link in the show notes below. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening to me today. We're talking all about some different reasons why you might not be losing weight with PCOS. Now, I know if you have PCOS, it doesn't necessarily mean that your goal is going to be weight loss or fat loss, but for a lot of people with PCOS, that is gonna be one of the key symptoms that you're really struggling with. And I understand it can be a really, really frustrating symptom to be navigating, especially when it feels like you've you've tried all the things and you've done all of the things and it just, you can't quite work out. There must be something missing. Why does it feel like you seem to look at food and put on weight or no matter what you do, even if you eat the same as your friend's, it just something doesn't add up. There's something that is working different in your body that's making it really difficult or challenging for you to lose weight. And it can be a really, really frustrating symptom. It can be really hard to navigate mentally as well from a mental health perspective. Um, And usually slash always, there's an underlying reason why it's difficult for you to achieve that healthy weight loss and weight regulation. And we often need to do some digging to work out why. So there's multiple different causes as to why it can be challenging to lose weight with PCOS. And we're kind of going to go through all of them uh, and keep in mind that All of these are often interconnected where, for example, I'll explain how lack of sleep, for example, can actually start to impact other factors and and kind of how it can all become this perfect storm, which makes it really, really challenging. Um, So number one that we're going to start with is the most obvious explanation in PCOS and something that's always really important to assess, and that is issues with insulin and blood sugar control. So insulin resistance, which basically just means that your body has become resistant to the signaling of insulin, often due to a dietary excess in carbohydrates or sugars, that insulin hormone becomes too high and your cells don't respond to it in the way that they used to, which is the resistance to the insulin This basically just means that if we were to go away and run some testing, we would find that you have high insulin, issues with uh, sometimes issues with fasting blood glucose, or issues with HbA1c. It has been my experience that this can really vary in terms of presentation. And what I am finding more and more across working with so many different clients, looking at so many different test results and using different testing methods to explore insulin and blood sugar control is that you're hard pressed to find a PCOS case that doesn't have some degree of insulin or blood sugar issues. And it becomes a sliding scale as to how severe it is. So, I have clients who have what I would say is more crude or overt insulin resistance. So when we're looking at testing this, I always use a fasting insulin test. We want to fast for 10 to 12 hours overnight, not too much longer than that. Uh, and we want to get that fasting insulin tested. Ideally, we want this to sit between 3 to 5 MIU per liter. Uh, And in PCOS, we know that even slight tendencies towards that insulin being high can be enough to really contribute to that androgen excess. Now, I have had clients that have an insulin of 20 or more. I've even seen at 30. The highest one I've ever seen, which ended up transitioning into type 2 diabetes, was at 70, which was very, very high. And in that particular client, I really encouraged them to actually get on metformin straight away with the help of their doctor and actually also use the natural strategies at the same time because that was more of a, you know, this is really urgent situation for that client. And she's actually since brought it back down over the course of a couple of months to 27 with combining metformin and natural strategies. So that's amazing. Uh, and now we're looking at managing it solely through natural approaches. So insulin can be at that end of the spectrum, which is like severe insulin resistance. Where it's above 20, it's definitely quite serious. Then really between 10 and 20, I would call that more of a um, moderate to high insulin resistance. And then sort of between... 6 to 10, obviously 6 is kind of fine, but much over that. And we are seeing that trend towards being insulin resistant and that insulin can worsen the androgen excess. So androgens really being that defining feature or characteristic within PCOS. So it's a sliding scale as to how severe it is. And I've done more and more work with clients using CGMs or continuous glucose monitors. I've spoken a bit about this on Instagram. And what I'm finding really interesting is even clients that have PCOS that actually don't present with that overt even moderate insulin resistance, they might have an insulin of, say, six or seven, which usually wouldn't be concerning. When we put a CGM on them, they actually have very volatile blood sugar control and very uh, sort of unusually high responses to foods that we wouldn't expect them to have such a severe response to. So, essentially, what this indicates to me from an anecdotal perspective in working with clients is that there does seem to be this trend or predisposition strongly towards issues with metabolic control, even in the absence of overt insulin resistance. And so what this means for clients with PCOS is that from a dietary perspective, the strategies we're using to regulate blood sugar are extremely important in managing this condition and become even more important and more of a reason to be on top of these when you do have that higher insulin. So just to kind of back up a little bit and explain a little bit more about you know what insulin is and kind of how it works in our body is basically when you eat sugars and carbohydrates, your blood glucose levels will go up. Your body cannot leave that sugar in circulation. It must be removed from the blood. And the way that it's able to remove this from the blood is by secreting insulin from the pancreas. Insulin is a hormone and its role is really to unlock your cells, allowing that blood glucose to be brought into the cells and used for energy. Now, what happens in insulin resistance is essentially there uh, has been an, um, you know, a dietary excess typically of blood sugar um, coming in, so of carbohydrates, and therefore there's been um, those cells, if you want to imagine it like this is a simplistic explanation, but it helps to conceptualise, those cells have now been Uh, filled with blood glucose. They're replete. If you imagine these like storage cupboards, the cells are kind of like, no, thank you. I've got enough blood sugar here. We don't have enough room for you. But your brain is like, hang on, there's still blood glucose in this bloodstream. I need to get it out somehow. And its response to that is to just keep pumping out more insulin. Uh, And this is how we end up insulin resistant. Now in PCOS, that high insulin can trigger further secretions of luteinizing hormone in the brain and this can further trigger the excess testosterone production from the ovaries, which is really how insulin resistance can worsen uh, PCOS specific to the androgens. And then it goes into other avenues because high insulin will cause high inflammation markers. And that continues the cascade in many, many different areas beyond the scope of what we'll explain in this podcast. And that's really how we see that perfect storm kicking off. And then to further this, when you become more insulin resistant and there is more storage of fat tissue, that fat tissue also becomes capable of producing its own testosterone, which is a big problem, of course, for PCOS. Um, But now what tends to happen with that as well is as your body mass grows, your thyroid gets put under more stress because it now needs to produce more thyroid hormone than it ever has before in order to kind of provide hormone for the additional body mass. So hopefully that makes sense. And we're kind of seeing how all of these different pieces begin to fit together. Now, Back to the weight side of things. So, insulin is what's called an anabolic hormone, which means that it is a growth hormone. um, And its role is to build things in the body. So, when it's too high, which it often is with PCOS or dysregulated, It's your main fat storage hormone. It's actually going to make it difficult for you to lose weight and it is going to cause a predisposition towards fat storage. Now, the goal from our diet is to get that insulin down as quick as we can because that means that it's going to become easier for you to lose weight. As you start to lose that weight, your inflammation markers go down, your thyroid starts performing better. And we see this time and time again. To give another example, when I have clients that have a Under functioning thyroid that are medicated for it, as we get them losing weight, their thyroid medication needs to be adjusted because they're no longer requiring as much thyroid medication as they used to because their body mass has reduced. So we can see this uh, same mechanism that I've explained about how thyroid hormone is required to service additional body mass um, in reverse when someone starts losing weight. So These systems in our body don't work in isolation and are very much connected. High insulin and problems with regulating blood sugar equals higher body mass, generally speaking, and equals worse androgen excess and underfunctioning of the thyroid, which perpetuates the weight loss problem. Um, More inflammation and therefore our key goal is to work out. Okay, what are the two main or you know what are the one to two priorities here? where if we say fix the insulin, everything else starts correcting. And that is often what we'll see in PCOS, that we're looking for that big domino, if you will, and improving that starts to improve everything else. Uh, Improving insulin is actually simple. I didn't say easy, but simple. It is simple and it can be done relatively quickly you can start reversing your insulin resistance in a matter of weeks when you're eating in the right way. That's what we go into inside the PCOS Glow Up, which is my three-week program to help you get those pieces in place to achieve that healthy weight loss with PCOS and get your blood sugars under control in a really doable lifestyle friendly way. So if you want to find out more about that, you can either in the show notes or over on my Instagram. Now, number two that I've got here on why it can be hard to lose weight with PCOS is nervous system dysregulation. So again, these systems all feed back into each other because nothing in the body happens in isolation. But if you have a dysregulated nervous system, which basically just means you have high levels of stress in your life, either currently or in the past and your body is not coping coping well with it. So this could be that right now your life is really, really stressful and your body is unable to cope with the levels of stress that you have currently. Or it can even be that you have a history of trauma, and we all have trauma, of course, it's just to varying degrees. And that emotional response can be held within your body, which is driving a nervous system dysregulation now, which is causing an overproduction or even an underproduction of stress hormones and making it really, really difficult for you to lose weight. So high cortisol, high DHEAS levels are very common within PCOS. And there is some debate as to whether this dysregulation between what we call the HPA axis, which is hypop thalamic pituitary adrenal access, which basically just in very simple terms means how your brain communicates with your adrenal glands, the glands that secrete your stress hormones. Then in PCOS, there is a hypersensitivity here, meaning that individuals with PCOS are more likely to not be able to tolerate and handle certain levels of stress. And this can lead to an overproduction of stress hormones. You can get this tested pretty easily. A simple blood test, you want to do it first thing in the morning within the hour of waking to test your cortisol and DHEAS levels will give you a good idea as to what's going on there. You can do more in-depth saliva testing as well if you need to. But you can also get a really good indication symptom-wise if this is something that is affecting you. If you struggle to go to sleep, you feel tired and wired, you wake up groggy in the morning, you struggle to regulate your emotions, you have emotional outbursts. These are all pretty good signs that you have a dysregulated nervous system. Um, And this can actually make it really difficult for you to lose weight as well. When we have high levels of cortisol, we are going to be more predisposed to... Uh, fat deposition around the midsection. It's known in the health industry as being called a cortisol pouch. And this in of itself can cause issues with blood sugar regulation. So just to give you a little story, I myself saw this happening when I was wearing a CGM. And it's something that I've explained to clients, and I know they've seen it too. When we secrete levels of stress hormones. So what was happening, basically, I have quite good blood sugar control, but I noticed when I would have a second coffee, um, even if it was a black coffee or a coffee uh, that didn't have any, you know, milk or anything like that added to it, I would get a ginormous (laughs) blood sugar spike from drinking this coffee. So what's the answer here? Coffee itself doesn't have carbohydrates here. It doesn't have sugar in it. I wasn't adding anything like that to it. I was literally just having straight up coffee and I was getting this ridiculous blood sugar spike from it. The reason being... When you drink that coffee, or when I was drinking that coffee, I was getting a big surge in adrenaline and cortisol. And that was then resulting in a big blood sugar spike. So, why this happens is that when your stress hormones increase, they will actually cause secretion or breakdown of stored glycogen um, from the liver, which is stored glucose. So, your body begins to break that down so that you have really quick acting energy. Essentially, you are initiating a fight or flight response with drinking that coffee and it is causing a big surge in blood sugar. What would have been happening in my body at that time is then my sugars increase, my insulin's gonna need to get secreted. And so that is just, of course, one very small anecdotal example, but I know my clients have seen the same thing as me when wearing CGMs, when we've discussed it. And this is a really amazing illustration of the role that stress plays in our physiology. Among many other things, it really does contribute to issues with blood sugar control and regulation. So, of course, you don't need to be drinking a coffee for this to happen. If you have high stress hormone all the time, then this is going on all the time and it's going to contribute to that blood sugar volatility. Insulin changes, it's also going to contribute to inflammation and it can even cause downregulation in thyroid function over time as well. So we can really start to see there how everything is intertwined and how it's not just about what we eat, it's also about what we drink and even the psychological component within our body. Our mental health is very much our physical health and vice versa. There is no separation here. The two communicate together in a one whole system. And we need to be considering our body like that when we're looking at a condition like PCOS. It's really not just about what we eat. It's definitely multifactorial. And we need to consider those lifestyle factors as well and how they could be affecting your ability to lose weight. Then thyroid underfunctioning. This is a really, really common issue. So again, really easy to rule this out through testing, but you need more than just TSH. So I have clients all the time, no matter how much I talk about this, that say my thyroid's been checked and it's fine. And I will nearly always say, look, unless you have A really strong family history of thyroid disease, I can nearly promise you that your thyroid has actually not been checked. You've had your TSH checked. And TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It's the brain's communication with the thyroid. It's not your thyroid hormone. It's not your antibodies either. It is not a thyroid panel. It is an indication about what we can tell from your brain's communication with your thyroid. And looking at TSH alone, is not helpful. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples about how thyroids can get missed. So, before I do that, I'll just explain your thyroid is really like your engine room for the body. If you have a slow thyroid, you have a slow metabolism, it is going to be hard for you to lose weight. Anecdotally, again, myself, I have always been quite a lean person. I just have that body type, that body shape, um, quite tall. A couple of years ago, I had a bunch of nutrient deficiencies and I ended up with a really slow sluggish thyroid. It took me a while to figure out. And I uh, found it really difficult to lose weight. I wasn't overweight per se, but I was maybe about four to five kilos heavier than my kind of natural maintenance weight that I'd been for years and years and years. And I just couldn't figure out why. I just thought maybe it's, you know, the stress of being a new business owner and what have you. Um, Anyway, I got those deficiencies under control. I got my thyroid under control and without actually doing anything, the weight just dropped off me and I'm back to what I've Basically, been since I was in my late teens without really trying too hard. I, you know, exercise and do all of those things, but I was actually trying harder to lose weight when I had that thyroid that was underfunctioning due to nutrient deficiencies. And it didn't matter what I did, I couldn't get that scale to go down. And I was finding it really frustrating. And was really struggling. I remember just being so annoyed that I was, you know, having to size up in certain clothes that I had for ages. It's really, really frustrating, especially when you feel like you're doing all the things. And really, it was quite easy. Once I actually got those deficiencies under control uh, and improved that thyroid function, it improved very, very quickly. So, and now my weight is back to that regular maintenance. I don't really have to try very much in order to keep it what it is. So your thyroid is really, really important in regulating your weight. And you have receptors for thyroid hormone in every single tissue in your body. So when it is under functioning, you're going to have other symptoms. Other things I was experiencing as a result of that was quite heavy periods at the time and a lot of anxiety as well. Because an underfunctioning thyroid will affect your mental health. Uh, and so, where was I? Going back to how it can get missed. So, in Australia, at least, your TSH gets checked, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone, um, and nothing else. Now, the first problem is that for TSH, the reference range is too wide. In most labs, it will be they'll accept a 0.4 up to 4 as being normal when optimally we would want it to sit between 1 and 2. So, for example, I was looking at client test results yesterday and one of the things I picked up in her results was definitely that she has an underactive thyroid. Her TSH is sitting at 4 Uh, it was 4.1 or 4.2. And so even the lab in that example had marked it as red with a high next to it. But the really interesting thing is this Client has been struggling with some symptoms for a long time, and when I looked back at her test results from 2020, because on a testing uh, printout, that will show your current results and then any previous results that you've had done at that particular lab, I could actually see that her TSH back in 2020 was 3.2, so already too high then, and already a problem then. But because it was fitting within this ridiculously wide open reference range it was not picked up as an issue by her GP. Had she come to see me three years ago, I would have flagged that and wanted to look into it then. So this is how people get missed, that our reference ranges are really, really poor and not in place to promote optimal health. They are in place to capture disease states. Um, So this is one example of how people get missed. And so for this client Luckily, now her GP is on board with wanting to get that looked into. But for example, if it was the 3.2, she would probably have to go and do some private testing through a lab like iScreen, which would be about $120 for a full thyroid panel. Now... Then the other way we can get missed is and how these systems are connected and we're seeing it all come together is when you've got really high levels of stress hormones, this can actually cause your TSH to go down even if your thyroid hormones are too low. So just to explain a little bit what will normally happen in healthy thyroid function is that or I shouldn't say healthy function in the absence of a high um, stress hormone output and, and nervous system dysregulation is basically when your T, um, T4 T and T3, which are thyroid hormones, when they become too low, your TSH should become high. And that is showing us that your brain is pumping out more thyroid stimulating hormone to try and get the thyroid to produce more hormone. So basically you want to think about it like your brain is putting the foot on the gas and saying, hey, thyroid, I need some more hormone. Let's make it happen. And that test result will show a high TSH reading. Now, when you have really high levels of stress hormones, then there's an issue there in the adrenal system. What can happen is that as a preservation mechanism, your brain will actually start to suppress TSH production. So what this can mean is that you have a really okay, normal, even low looking TSH And that would not ever normally indicate to us that there is a problem with your thyroid hormone. So for example, another lot of tests I looked at yesterday, this client had really high levels of DHEAS and had marked on her forms, stress is a big issue for me. We could see that in her blood test results. When we went ahead and looked at the rest of her thyroid, what was really interesting is her TSH was about 085 Should sit between one and two. That alone, we would think, oh, yeah, her thyroid must be, you know, she's producing enough thyroid hormone. But when we actually went and looked at her thyroid hormones, because they were included in the test, they were really low. (laughs) And that shows to us most likely what is happening in that case is that that high level of stress hormones causing a TSH suppression and we are not able to pick up that there actually is a real problem there with her thyroid hormones. So This client does have a healthy weight loss goal and so actioning all of these things collectively, really working on her adrenals and getting those DHES levels down, working on her TSH and her T4, T3 levels is going to be really crucial in her achieving that goal. Something else we want to look at always is thyroid antibodies. The research shows that your TSH can look normal, air quotes, for up to 10 years even if there is an autoimmune condition bubbling away under the surface and this is how people get missed. If you are struggling with PCOS, if you are struggling with weight loss, I really encourage you just go and have your thyroid checked. It will cost you $120 if you have to pay for it yourself really, hopefully for most of you, that is something that is really, really doable um, and will give you the answers straight away as to whether there is a problem there with your thyroid underfunctioning or not. Number four is unidentified food sensitivities and really how this can be causing inflammation in the body. So, Sometimes people are going to do better off foods like gluten and dairy. There's, of course, many other food sensitivities. I nearly, I've never recommended food sensitivity testing and I never will. Um, You know, if you're reacting to really benign foods like, I don't know, you know, your higher FODMAP foods and things like that, you probably have more of a problem or, or dysbiotic microbiome. And That's something that requires testing and working on rather than removing a whole bunch of foods that you should otherwise be able to tolerate. However, a lot of people will do better off either dairy or gluten or both. These are really common allergens and often this doesn't necessarily mean that there is something wrong with your gut per se. If you're reacting to a heap of foods, I do think it is salient to go and do a microbiome test and look into this further to try and uncover that. But if you're reacting to, you know, really sort of standard dairy or gluten, then that's not necessarily a problem with your physiology. But identifying issues with these foods can definitely lead to decreased inflammation, which can ultimately lead to decreased carrying of water weight and inflammation within the body, which can make it really a lot easier for you to lose weight. Now, number five is that maybe you're just too focused on the scales rather than body composition. So we're obsessed with weight people are obsessed with what they weigh. And instead, we should be thinking about how our clothes fit and what our body composition is, what our muscle mass is, rather just than what you weigh. Now, I, for example, would weigh rather be 65 kilos and have really, really great Muscle mass be strong and fit and feel good within my clothes then be sixty kilos and have a really you know uh, have really little muscle mass and not be very strong and you know maybe I can still fit into my clothes, but overall my body composition isn't what I would want it to be, right? So even though that sixty five kilo example is five kilos more weight. What I'm accounting, therefore, is that there is an increase in muscle mass, which is ultimately going to mean way better metabolic function, way better for my longevity. And Overall, that's going to mean that I actually have a higher tolerance for carbohydrates. I'm going to be strong and able to run after my little boy, which is way more important and meaningful to me than being 60 kilos, so five kilos lighter. So just to explain, there's a real difference between fat loss and weight loss. And also, we really want to account for body composition, muscle mass. It's better to be guided by how your clothes are fitting and how your body is looking in terms of, you know, fitness levels rather than being obsessed purely with weight because there's a lot of different factors that can affect weight. Um, number six is, you know, maybe it's time to really look at your macronutrient balance. This is something that we go through inside the PCOS Glow Up as well, really making sure that you get that in place because this is the OG Nutrition Foundation. You need to be eating an appropriate amount of proteins, fats, and fiber and carbohydrates for your body depending on what your issues are. If you've got high insulin, this is going to look a little bit different than if you don't. Um, But it's really important to get your macronutrient balance right because this is going to mean that you have less cravings. It's easier for you to regulate your appetite. You have more energy as well and you're less reliant on stimulants and sugars to keep you going throughout the day. So macronutrient balance is key. You really need to have this in place to feel like you have that freedom around food. Without that, it's going to be really, really tricky and you're also going to struggle with your energy. Number seven is that you are not sleeping well. So this is really common. I find a lot of people are either struggling to get to sleep, can't stay asleep or waking up groggy in the morning, which can mean other things, but can be an indication that you aren't sleeping well during the night. So what you do in the hour or two before bed sets you up for sleep. And often what we do is we spend all day running around stressed and doing all other things. Then we're making dinner, then we're doing house chores and getting ready for the next day. And then all of a sudden we're throwing ourselves into bed and going, okay, off sleep. And your body doesn't really work like that. It needs a little bit of preparation to sleep well. We're also exposed to a lot more light, artificial light than what we ever have been before. Um, and we have a lot of ways to distract and stimulate ourselves like Instagram and Netflix and all of the things. And I'm right there with you. I love all of those things too, but we have to acknowledge that they can really impact our sleep. And when you don't sleep well, all of the other things become affected. When you don't sleep well, you're going to have issues regulating your blood sugar. This is, I've seen this in myself. I've seen it in clients. If you don't sleep well, you're going to have a high fasting blood glucose because your body can't regulate sugar as well. You're then going to have trouble throughout the day regulating your sugars, which means you're going to have that higher insulin the next day. You're going to um, have more cravings the next day and want to eat more sweet foods and simple carbohydrates because your body's looking for that quick energy fix. When you don't sleep well, your cortisol and stress hormones are also higher the next day. All of this, of course, affects everything that we've just spoken about. And it's really, really important that you get your sleep right. Now, I say this with full awareness that sometimes you don't have control over your sleep, especially if you have little ones. I can have the best intention about getting the best night's sleep and then still be woken up Five, six times on a bad night. So sometimes there are circumstances that are out of your control, of course, but there is a lot that is within your control around setting up that really healthy sleep routine, turning off your devices, getting off your blue light, um, you know, implementing some good quality magnesium. These are all activities which can really help to improve your ease in getting to sleep, and then your quality of sleep as well. And all of this can have a huge impact on your PCOS. There's actually a really, really high degree of sleep apnea issues in women with PCOS. And this can also be a huge part of the trigger with the insulin side of things as well and that blood sugar dysregulation. So very much all these systems are connected, feeding in to each other. So, Of course, what this all means really is that weight loss is more complicated than calories in, calories out. Your calories still matter. Your macros still very much matter, but there can be other things going on. And the most common and simplest explanation in PCOS is going to be insulin and blood sugar issues. Now, if you don't have those, it's then important to start going, okay, well, what else could it be? And it becomes a process of elimination in working through these different issues. So we spoke about insulin and the act of regulating blood sugar. This is really important. Whether or not you have overt insulin resistance or not, getting that blood sugar regulation as stable as possible is imperative for better management of PCOS. And this is what we go through in the PCOS glow up. Number two is all around nervous system regulation and making sure that your stress system in the body, how your body feels emotionally and the feedback that that's giving to your physiology is as regulated as it possibly can be. You know, if there is things you need to work through from a trauma perspective, then get that help and assistance to work through that. That's really, really important looking at what you can do on a daily basis to better manage your stress levels and then your thyroid looking into that do you need it tested is it under functioning and if it is why because you'll find the reason there will be a reason number four is there food sensitivities there you know could it be something like dairy or gluten triggering inflammation are you too focused or obsessed with the number on the scale rather than your body composition? You should be more focused on body composition and muscle mass than weight alone. Do you have your macronutrient balance right? Are you eating enough fiber? Are you eating enough protein? Are you eating enough healthy fats? And what is your carbohydrate intake like? Are you sleeping well? And if not, what can you do to actually start optimizing that now? What is within your control? There you have it, the seven reasons why it can be challenging to lose weight with PCOS. I hope this has given you some really actionable things to think about and go and explore in your own physiology If you have any questions, feedback, you know, I love hearing about you over on Instagram, come over and say hi. And of course, if this podcast is helping you in any way, if you're liking any of the episodes, I would be super, super grateful if you would leave me a rating and review. I read them and I really, really appreciate your feedback. That's it for me. I'll talk to you next week. Before you go, a quick reminder that any information discussed on the PCOS podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal health circumstances, and of course, does not replace medical advice.